we usually will do the intro music and get it going. Okay. I'm just going to follow your lead and, and do the best I can. That's all you can really do. I'm right? kill it. I wanted to ask you, though. Yeah. I want to do it right now. Let's talk about hip hop. Right before we start. Let's Sorry. do it. Okay. Yeah. We're recording. Okay. We are. Oh, okay. oh, you want to talk about hip hop right on the jump? I want to know. Top five, dead or alive. What oh, do we got? Oh, boy. Um, uh, huge Outcast fan. I got to go with Outcast. I got to go with The Roots. I love The Roots. They changed the way I listen to music. They changed uh, what I thought hip hop was. Why? Why? Incorporating uh, instruments, just the idea of a band. Uh, I saw them play live and they were full on like 12 piece brass band. And it was, it was nuts, man. Like Black Thought and the things he raps about, the things he has to say, his uh, commentary on culture in the world. And it sort of deviated away from that whole idea that rappers talked about cars and girls. It just it changed, it changed rap for me. For sure, things fall apart. Is uh, next cast albums one of my one of my favorites. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Wu Tang Clan. Uh, notice when I uh, I'm picking groups because you have so many uh, artists within each group that the eclecticness is just off off the charts. Did you ever get a chance to see them live? Yeah, you know, the Wu-Tang Clan live was a disappointment. I'll say this, it was it was an outside concert somewhere in Surrey. We were pumped. It was it was like, I don't know, 2004 or 5 and we go and Wu-Tang Clan is so so large, a clique, so so big <laughs> that old dirty's cousin was there like it was <laughs> resembling the wu-tang that i was like who are these guys and they're like oh it's the it's uh it's the genius's brother-in-law and i was like what is this? <laughs> this is not what i signed up for uh so it was a good day though still right of course day. uh of course. So wu-tang i was big into like boot camp and black moon growing yes, up yes shut up duck down yeah no doubt right but i'm not gonna put them in my top five nos uh, another great album, Illmatic, was uh, game changing, game changing. Godson too, like if people sleep on that. Uh, I'm sorry, man. Uh, it's a really good album, and, and Nas is yeah, Nas is really, really talented. Uh, I hear it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'll just round it out with uh, with Jay Z. I'm tempted to put Dre. I know people would would say like if we're talking like here's the thing it's my humble opinion right if we're talking about um the it's your best, episode man the best mcs like i don't know i think you have to put eminem in there but like i didn't buy eminem's cds growing up uh i respect him appreciate him he's so clever he's so sharp uh -huh. uh, lightning speed rhyming it's he's nuts he's a freak right he's a he's an alien um but my top five is going to include jay-z Nas, Wu-Tang, Outkast, The Roots, not in that order. And you can tell me who I'm missing and I can agree and we can just extend it to, to six or I can disagree. I'm not telling you you're missing anyone, man. Well, That's I, your I list. feel like I think one of the things you and I initially bonded on outside of basketball was music. 100%. And I think same love for Outkast. I think I'm a little more open to some of the newer stuff than you will say that. It's true. You are. Yes, you are. <laughs> what, did I throw out there one time to our to our uh, to our chat? I threw out um, 
Am I wrong for liking somebody? And I was expecting to get supported by my buddies. No, you no, you're good, Keeler. And you were like, yeah, Keeler, that's wrong. That's foul. <laughs> not cool. It's not cool. Make sure a traditionalist, Tay. Like you'd really. I mean, listen. I listen to it all. I try it. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not close. I'm, like I'm just interested. Yeah. It's, just... it's Thursday night. The new albums are going to drop at nine. I will check as many as I can. Mm-hmm. I just. I can't. I can't vibe with it. I try. I can't do yeah. it. Yeah. You know. I think it might have been little. How do you feel about Little Wayne? I like Little Wayne. I can't do it, man. Yeah. So many people have him top five, top three. Yeah, he's crazy, yeah, man. That's I love, wild. I love him. So many yeah. people have him in there. I, I think he's great. It. I mean, he's not in my top, but he's... Uh, top five is a party with maybe, but... Oh, yeah, get face tattoos with. There we go. Corbs, hit the music. gentlemen welcome back to hoops journey you know you know the tag because you've seen it at keeler art you may not know the name it's kevin it's kk it's kev keeler it's number 42 we are thrilled to have a good buddy a person that like i said on a hoops journey if you follow us on instagram shared his artwork super talented guy that way but he was just as good with the ball and the hoop as he was with the pen and the dab art. <laughs> Super excited to have our guy from the East Coast, now living on the West Coast, a pretty unique story out there, and to shed more light on a guy that, uh, you know, deserves it. Kev Keeler, man, how you doing, brother? Thanks for being with us. Oh, buddy, man, thank you so much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm honored. I believe this is episode 60 for you, so let me start off by saying huge- 61. 61. Huge congratulations to you and you and Corpse for the work that you're doing. Uh, bringing to light people's stories and and sharing basketball with the world. Thanks, man. In fact, let me further that by saying a lot of people uh, have hopes and dreams and and goals that they they want to accomplish. And about a year and a half ago, you said, you know, I really want to have a podcast. So something I've always wanted to do. And a lot of people would just let that wish sit there and you made it happen. So good for you. Thanks, man. With the support of Corpse of Sure, I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, dude, uh, it's been a fun ride and a crazy ride. But, uh, you know, this this is not about us. It's about you. And how you been, man? Do people even know that you're a middle school teacher? Do they know <laughs> your craft? Do they know your day-to-day? How's things been? How How's life for the Keeler family? And uh, what are we looking forward to as we move towards summer break here? Yeah, you know, I, I think... Uh, perspective is the key and uh, times have been challenging for everybody without a doubt Uh, but my family's healthy I got two boys and a beautiful wife uh, and we have maintained our health and had lots of time together Um, school has been a challenge you know we're grinding it out but again you just have to say thank you and be appreciate having a job you know, there are days that feel stressful and uncomfortable and uh, frustrating, but there are people without jobs, there are people with real stress, and, and I shouldn't say real stress, but there are people with, with um, different stress, stress paying the bills, stress, you know, being out of work, stress with sick loved ones. So, you know, uh, I think, just being thankful for for what we have 
here in our home uh, is, is the key to getting through this. The attitude of so, gratitude, right? No doubt. I think it's probably maybe something we as younger people didn't really get. But when you get to a certain part of your life, you realize how much um, when you're thankful and, and you have gratitude for what you have, it just makes life better. And it, the sooner people yeah. can pick up on that. And that's a good perspective, man. Um, yeah. And I'm surrounded like we're, we have each other. I mean, there's there's people who are single and their their world socially is friends and, and family they don't live with or, you know, elderly parents. And they're they're, they're missing out on that. So. I think that sort of 21 to 20 to, to 30 is, is an age that they're, they're really struggling. I'm sure they're struggling. So for sure, man. Well, you know, I, I know you, you provide a perspective as an art teacher, but I know the kids that are in your class and you've never said this, but I would guess as you, as a teacher, conversations go deeper than just, um, are you using stencil or are you using chalk? What are we doing today? You know, it, I, I would see them looking up to you as, as not only a teacher, but as a mentor and someone who could, you know, kind of help them with situations because of the personality that you have. And I think you're one of the people that we love to have in our system because you're more than just a teacher. You're just a good human and you, and you, and you care about humans. So that goes with teaching hand in hand and makes you who you are, right? You're just not an art teacher. You're also a, just a person who I, I, I could just picture you day to day, walking the halls, chirping the staff, chirping the kids, kids coming to you, <laughs> Mr. Keeler, I don't know. <laughs> you know my move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and, and that's dope, man. So, so you know, thanks for, thanks for picking the career you did and thanks for impacting kids in a positive way because it means a lot. I know you have a, a drive to do art on your own, but also, just letting kids become who they are, right? You know, there's so many kids out there that if they're not an athlete and an academic, well, what am I? Well, hey, art is a way that you can express yourself too. And and you allow that for kids. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah, thank you. And back at you for the work you do as well. Yeah, I'm really fortunate to, to enjoy my job. I, I really do love what I do. And I look forward to getting to work most days. You know, I, I joke that when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to be, I could do two things. I could shoot a basketball and I could draw a picture and I get to do them both every day, you know? <laughs> and uh, it's funny because I started off as a math teacher. I, my degree is, is a science degree and I started off as a middle school math teacher, but on the days where they're driving you nuts, like I didn't have my love for math to fall back on. So like right now, I actually, not only do I, I really like who I teach, I really love what I teach. And if you think about it too, like we're surrounded by art. Like we are the, from interior design, fashion design, architecture, like just getting, getting kids to open up their eyes and, and look around and appreciate uh, the work that artists do in the world is pretty dope. So uh, I'm thankful for that. Not to go on too long for this but like when you think about the world and social media and those things and it's like you can sit there with those kids and say hey you can work at the cafe and and draw right or you can work yeah. a you know a nine to five job or a 12 to five job and draw and you know find your artistic side right like i think our generation kind of was like you need to get a job you need to get a career you need to get you know a salary but it's like this generation of kid is they might have three gigs that they're balancing you know and that's kind of cool man it's like a cool way to live and if you're just doing what matters that's what's important right that's right it's funny like when you think about what makes a human like think about your friends what makes a human interesting 
is not necessarily the job they do working at a bank or not nothing against people who work at a bank or or being an engineer you know those are those are really important things but it's often what you become interested in is the the things that people enjoy doing when they're not working yeah man to be a well-rounded person like i'm interested in in you because of your love for music or i'm interested in you know friends because of the way they play music or it's it's people's pastimes it's hobbies a hobby is a pretty powerful thing it's what you choose to how you choose to spend your time uh when you have a choice let's jump into it man east coast shadow classified shout out the east tell us about yourself man what was life like for you growing up how was it like on the East Coast, you know, compared to here and basketball? When does the orange thing start to get into your hands and you go, man, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this? Well, I felt like I was late uh, on the basketball scene. But as far as Halifax goes, Halifax is just this, it's just a, a beautiful, I mean, the coast. Whether it's the East Coast or the West Coast, the coast is a, is a thing of beauty. And I know people, you can talk about uh, Saskatchewan and, and uh, the prairies all you want. But when you've got ocean meets land, uh, that makes for a, a beautiful scene, right? What do the people say? It hits different? It does. It hits different. It sort of shapes the way of life, too, you know, uh, the industry. Uh, but growing up in Halifax, you know, I, I bet it wasn't that different from the way you grew up. Uh, you know, like I was a kid who grew up and uh, I was an outside kid. So uh, my parents weren't signing me up for things left, right and center. You know, I think I was signed up for beavers when I was a when I was a real little kid. That didn't last long. Shout out beavers. Yes. <laughs> they weren't filling my time with activities like I was heading outside and we were playing hide and go seek. And you feel like part of that, like if they just came up with a better uniform, they made you wear that hat with the tail on it and crap. Like, <laughs> first of all, the hat, the hat was dope. It was the best. Okay, it is now. I wasn't digging it the hat. When you, you thought it was dope when you were that age? I was like, man, I don't want to wear this thing. I don't know. I, you know, it was all like, I just know when I got to Cubs, I kind of looked around and went, I don't think this is my scene. Okay, Law think... will do our best. Oh, yeah, you, how long did you go right into uh, Scouts from there? I did one year of Cubs and I was like, peace, can't yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah. So I was an outside kid. It wasn't necessarily sports that drew me. I remember being kind of a toy kid. I loved my army men. I was riding a bike. <laughs> we were always building jumps. You know, I, we, I, we used to love to have races. Like I, I considered myself pretty fast when I was a kid. I think the second thing people, uh, or my people, my, my mom signed me up for was soccer. And uh, that was sort of a, a real sort of vague memory. Uh, I remember thinking I could get into this a little bit. Like I remember looking around and it was the first time you kind of look around and go, wow, that kid's really good. That kid's really good at this. Like, that kid's better than me. Or like, well, that goalie, man, I, I, it was actually, I remember a guy named Chris Webb. And in fact, he shaped my, my art world as well. He was a buddy of mine through right through high school. And uh, man, he was like the best six-year-old goalie I, I've ever seen. <laughs> But it was interesting to open your eyes and you realize there's 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 people that are good and then there's people that, that maybe aren't. And I just pecking remember, orders, right? I want to be one of those kids that, that's good at this. That's cool. And my dad is a, 
is a Navy guy and we moved around quite a bit as a family. So we bounced back and forth from, from Ottawa to Halifax, Halifax to Ottawa. And I, I remember moving to Ottawa and that's sort of when I left soccer behind. And I picked up skateboarding actually. I had a neighbor that was really into skateboarding and I kind of looked up to him and he sort of took me under his wing. He was older. And uh, like that was probably my first love of like an activity. So like just just being in the driveway, working on something till you got it. Like I just I wanted to ollie. I wanted to be able to slide, you know, do that truck slide on the curb. Uh, like and just just that that fail, 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 almost boom, and then you succeed, and then it becomes it's like okay, I can get this, and then you're like oh 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 that's easy. So it was something that was that was once felt unachievable, all of a sudden you start to feel like, oh, I'm going to put in work. And this is, uh, I guess, grade four for me. So how are you? I guess my son's in grade four. So I was nine. But I just remember all of a sudden being able to equate the work you put into something with the results that you get. What kind of board do you have? Vision, buddy. And I saved up for that joint. I had a vision. What kind of wheels and trucks? Do you remember the trucks and wheels? I had Were they town and country, I had town and country, clear grip oh, tape, okay. and I had uh, Pal Parolta wheels and trucks, man. Mm. They were yellowed wheels. Yeah. I sucked. I was the worst skateboarder, I man. Worked. I was so bad. Well, it's funny. Like I, I did leave it behind, uh, but it never uh, stopped being a mode of transportation for me. Yeah. And today I get looks. I get looks like I'm 6'4", rolling down the street. Uh, in my neighborhood on a skateboard that uh, Reimer and I, J.P. Reimer, a fellow food uh, wood shops. Yeah. The man. We did some, he built some some longboards. In nice. fact, he had my longboard, so we got into doing that a little bit. So still as a mode of transportation, it's, uh, it's enjoyable. But you get some odd looks as an adult on a skateboard. All good, though. It's 2021, man. Exactly, right? So how do you translate all those learning learning things into other sport? You know what I mean? Like you get some good reflection already, kind of just like, because is there really anything more frustrating than trying to learn a skateboard? I mean, there are, but like when you're a kid and you have mm. minimal motor skills mm -hmm. and you're like, honestly, you get to kick push and then it's like, okay, I want to try some tricks. And it's like, like you said, over yeah. and over. And this is what I always respect about some of those X sports or X games or whatever. It's like, when these guys and girls go out and do these tricks, I'm like, how many times have they bailed on their face or in the foam pit, like oh. just almost broken their neck? Oh yeah, just to just to land this one, you know? Yeah, and no other sport does failure hurt as much. Right, like you can miss a couple free throws, but you can still bounce back and, and get a stop and hit your next shot. It's like you have one opportunity for a run for 45 minutes on a bike ramp. Yeah, and if you bail, thanks for coming out. I know you don't need any band-aids for a missed layup, <laughs> right? Yep. Although, as you'll hear, as you'll hear, uh, as we get into more stories, that uh, there's definitely a theme to my career, and it, it might have something to do with band-aids. <laughs> so we bounced back and forth, and we were in Ottawa for grade four and five, and and I left behind a group of of my boys. Like we were, we were. You know, you start to get to grade two, grade three, and you start to develop true friendships. They're not friendships that your your family is cultivating for you. They're kids from school that you're choosing to hang out with. And and while I was gone, uh, my friends fell in love with sports, and and I didn't like like I say, I was skateboarding and biking, and and uh, we had races like recess races. 
and I hit this gross, gross spurt, man. You keep laughing at the races, man. You didn't race well, when you were you said kid? recess. I was dying. No, I'm not laughing at a bad oh, I'm laughing because it's hilarious. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> recess race. So yeah. I, I hit this huge gross spurt. Like, I came back. We moved back to Halifax. And my friends took one look at me. They're like, Keeler's back. And he's Huge. huge. <laughs> we're winning the city we're winning the city championship like do you play basketball and i was like uh yeah i play basketball i guess like i didn't play basketball like uh, <laughs> i couldn't catch i uh, i was re- it was really bad man and it was it was hard because i was huge hmm. and my buddies loved like they were playing baseball they're playing football I didn't even know the rules of, I remember trying to figure out the rules of like to play football at lunchtime with my buddies. And I'm like, uh, it took, it was the learning curve was steep. Right. Yeah. But that was what we did. That was what we did. Like if it was, if we weren't playing baseball after school, we were playing football. Gradually we graduated into basketball. Once I stopped injuring them, every time we played. Just chucking them. Elbow, I was falling into them. Like, like you look at my class pictures from like grades six, seven, eight, nine. And there's not a kid within my shoulder range. Like it was just, uh, I, I don't know uh, where I got the height from. My dad's six one. Uh, I'm six four, but I feel like I've always been six four. <laughs> you know, I think in grade six, I was I was pushing five ten. When it came time for tryouts, it was a city league, like a community league, called the West End Steelers, and tryouts came and, and i got put on the b team man all my friends made the a team and that was that was a blow let me tell you like that hurt it sucks to be left out mm-hmm. like it sucks not included it sucks to be not part of a part of things and i had buddies on the b team but it also sucks to fail to be told you're not good enough like and then i had an older brother my older brother's nine years older than me and he let me have it he brought me to tears a few times. I remember just like making fun of me. <laughs> I mean, that was his job to toughen me up and he did a good job of that, but it was enough for me to fall in love with the game. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, I got to play. Right. It was there were, like, you, you think back to when we were growing up and right or wrong, but you were, it wasn't shifts. You weren't doing five minute shifts with the other, yeah. you know, 10 kids on your team. You, your coach decided who played and when. And had I been on the A team, I really believe that I probably would have sat on the bench. And you know what, even worse, had there not been a B team, I think about that. And as a middle school guy where there's no cuts, but had there not been a B team, I don't know if I would have stuck with it. I don't know if I just would have said, okay, well, I'm not a basketball player. Yeah. When I fail, I, I, I've, I've never really quit. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't think I, I had that in me. But it was tough. Even at even at recess, we'll go back to the <laughs> uh, even at recess when it was open gym, my buddies weren't having it. It was like Keeler, sorry man, this is just this is this game's for this side's for the A guys. Oof. And I was like, oh, like that. So I'll tell you what, mm. I fell in love with the game. My brother and my uncle put a hoop in my driveway. Uh, I remember the day that hoop went up. I remember building it. It was like the wooden beam with the giant white wooden backboard. And my life changed, man. My life changed. I hit a couple basketball camps that summer. Uh, kind of grew into my body. And ba- it was over. Basketball was my thing. It was over. And the next year uh, would have been, was great. obviously grade seven. 
Uh, not only did I make the A team, but the junior high that I went to, there was one team. There wasn't a grade seven team, a grade eight team, a grade nine team. Junior high is grade seven to nine. It was one team. So I was in grade seven, and I'll tell you what, I was the best player on that team. That's a big difference too. I mean, seven to nine is. It was night and day, and I was. It was. It, it just was that thing I did every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell kids, I tell my own sons, like when I was your age, I, I shot for hours every day. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Yeah, right, Dad. Sure." And I'm like, "No, I, I literally I shot for hours every day. Like it just became my thing. I fell in love with the NBA." I ate it all up. I fell in love with the culture, the sneakers, the hip hop. I fell in love with it all. Mm-hmm. The, even the clothing. That was it for me. Mm-hmm. It was basketball, basketball, basketball. We still played football. We still played baseball. That was what my buddies and I did. We were outside and we, it was all summer. It was every day after school, after supper. We met at the field and we, we played something. We competed at something. Was there a coach or someone that was opening the gym for you, or was it more of just an internal thing? You got a lot of you got a list similarities to uh, Connor Morgan, right? You know Connor UBC, but different different ages. He's a little bit older than you, but kind of that growth spurt yeah. and sort of coming into yourself and having some, you know, a few years where you get cut from a team and then it's like, all right, well this is on, right? So yeah. was there a mentor or a coach in that area? Um, or was it kind of just you had a good group of guys and you just hooped all day every day? Uh, it was my, it was a peer thing for me. It was the peer peers drove each other. Mm-hmm. Older brothers of peers, like so. My sister's four years older than me, and that seemed to be the gap with a couple of my buddies. And they had older brothers who played for St. Pat's High, and that was the dream for me. I want to play basketball at St. Pat's High. I didn't have a coach in in junior high that was anything more than just a really nice guy who dedicated his time. Like, right. I remember I had a, I had a coach, Jerry Smith, and his gift was time. But I don't remember what he showed me or what he told me. I don't remember. I, I didn't want to be like him. He wasn't like cool, but he was there. Mm-hmm. And you realize that that that's so much of the battle or of the of the the keys to success even as a coach is just being there he's going to open up the gym he's going to give up his time after school uh he's going to coach three teams he's going to give up his saturdays so we can play ball you know like i I think he taught me like the drop step you got to remember too like i was i thought i was patrick ewing man like i wasn't michael jordan i was kevin McHale. like it, it it was like I was told, okay, you're going to go down on the block. Nothing wrong with Kevin McHale for the record. Nothing. and nothing. What about Patrick? Nothing wrong with Patrick. Oh, Big Pat too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, but I was a center. Yeah. And because I was so tall, like I was told to go stand underneath the basket. Mm-hmm. Catch, drop, step, jump hook. Mm-hmm. Catch, step, you know, layup. It was, that was what I was taught. But as far as like coach role models... I didn't really have those until I started playing provincial ball. Even my high school coach, his gift was his time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. opening the gym. It was giving me keys to a recreation center and a job Yeah, uh, at a recreation center where I, I could go there and play whenever I wanted. It was it was picking me up at six six thirty in the morning to shoot hoops for school. 
but it, it wasn't like, oh, I look up to this guy. I want to be like this guy. Are you going to like, uh, are you going to SMU games? Are you watching? Are you going to the university games? Okay. So my sister would take me to the, to the high school games. Okay. Um, I wasn't at the, I wasn't at the university games just yet. Yeah. Um, so St. Pat's and I'll tell you what, man, the high school basketball scene in Halifax it's dope. is off the charts it's 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 the big show like it's that's what it's, there wasn't i mean i guess there was the moose heads and there was some you know there was the wind jammers we can talk about that later too. Oh, the wind jammers yes yeah man i was a ball boy for the wind jammers actually those were good good times uh there's some players that rolled through halifax too let me tell you when the wind jammers first started it was six four and under you remember that the world basketball league six, that's right it was how are you gonna have a basketball league six four and under? Maybe it was six seven. It might have been six seven and under. It's for Corbs and his people, man. <laughs> I don't even know if he's so, listening right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I was going there. to. <laughs> I was going to. <laughs> it's funny listening to your to your pause. I always thought that stuff was edited in afterwards. <laughs> some is, some isn't. Yeah. So. You know, you ask about the, the SMU, um, it was the SMU basketball and the interactions I had with players uh, that, that sort of, I started to look up to those guys. Uh, Jason Darling was a god to me. Like he was it, like he was the player I wanted to be. In fact, his son, I don't know if you know Nate Darling, he plays for the show. Yeah, Court. of course. Yeah, that's an amazing story. Yeah, it's super cool. Nate, story. hit us up, man. <laughs> get him a show dog he uh took nova scotia to a to another level as far as the basketball world's concerned mm -hmm. but yeah no it was high school i think it was like sort of that whole thing one step at a time like had you told me i was going to play for st mary's one day i would have been like no come on man no way that was like the nba it was in the same world like right. those guys are, those guys are beyond but the high school scene and going to those high school games and looking around even sitting in the stands and the high school kids going crazy and watching dudes dunking warm-ups and uh, i can tell you uh, i could list the roster of saint pats from like when i from when i was in grade seven i could tell you who played i could tell you how they played i could tell you their strengths their weaknesses i could tell you who was nice to me and who was not nice to me hmm. i could tell who turned out to be, uh, you know, who made a, a basketball career for themselves and who sort of fizzled out. But that was my dream was to play was to play high school basketball. Mm -hmm. I think the same for, for a lot, for a lot of people, um, it's just one step at a time, right? It's one goal. And you realize at the time, if you can reach that goal, you'll be happy, but then you reach that goal and you're never happy. Right. Yeah. How many people have said, Oh, I'd warm the bench for any team in the NBA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Until you, the bench for a team in the nba and then you want more yeah yeah it's a bad for example. sure come on we'd all warm the bench for any team in the nba of course you know yeah no no you start you go to st pat's and then you start to play for st pat's and you're like okay i can really turn this into something and i want to move on and do post-secondary and yeah you know talk about that you, you know you mentioned that you know the, the just kind of the the high school scene there playing yeah. on a top team every year you're the 93 mm. provincial champs you're a captain on the team like Pretty fun, right? Like talk about so that fun. East Coast ball, the crowds, and yeah, everything. Let me expand man. on that because this is another thing that I think is special about Halifax, 
And I guess it goes back to uh, the original infrastructure uh, where they built the Catholic school. And then right next to it, they built the Protestant school. No way. Right? So I went to St. Agnes. So by the time I rolled through, it wasn't about religion anymore. It was about where you lived. So St. Agnes had a school across the, across the field called Westmount. And then I went to St. Pat's. And St. Pat's had another high school across the street. Like our schools faced each other. Two high schools. Now tell me... in. Uh, it's I a will bad bet idea. All of Canada, that there is not a bigger rivalry. Yeah, it's a bad idea. Yeah. We walked on one side of the street. QE walked on the other side of the street. The rivalry was heated, man. And QEH had a stronger uh, history, basketball wise. Mm. They seemed to have better athletes. They they certainly had more success as far as provincial championships. Uh, I could I could just lists and lists of players that were like legendary. And and St. Pat's was always sort of that second, second, you know, we often lost. It was the odd year that they won. But when I got there, here's what heated up the rivalry. So I showed up in grade 10. Don't tell me you stole somebody's girl. <laughs> of course <laughs> I did. But no, it, it, that's not what it's about. Um, I show up in grade 10. There's, there's not a grade 10 team. It's It's one team. Like you have one high school team. So okay. like you either pick the team or you don't. There's no JV. There's no there's there's no senior team and junior team. There's one team. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that point in time, when I show up in grade ten, three players from QEH transferred. Because you got to remember, it wasn't about religion there. It wasn't about religion anymore. You could go to whatever school you wanted to. All you had to do was register. It wasn't about catchment areas. Yeah. Because this, they're in the same. They're they're in this. They have the same postal code. Yeah. That intensified the, the the rivalry because these three guys that transferred, they were betraying their, their buddies that they grew up with. It was like, it, things got heated, man. When I say there was fights, there was fights. There was tons of fights. But it, it was exciting. And it was all we knew. Yeah. It was all we knew. Yeah, yeah. There was no friendships, man. There was there was some friendships. But it, it was undercover friendships. For sure. <laughs> and then was a provincial championship on the radar and how we played big was QEH. It? We played how, QEH. And how big was it to in win the it? finals at the no, Metro at the Metro? It was the biggest. We finished, we had a really good team in grade 10. We finished, uh, I believe third in the province at a heart. We had a heartbreaking loss in the semis. And the next year, uh, I guess we were, we were better. Um, and we played QEH in the finals and we won. Uh, it was all kind of a blur. I, I mean, I remember so many details of it. It was the first time I had ever played in a gym where there wasn't a wall behind the hoops. Do you know what I mean? Like the of course. hoops didn't come from the ceiling or the wall. They came from the floor. Same thing as the Agrodome here, right? Where they used yeah, to have it. Yeah, I hear you like... guys tell stories about the Agrodome. And it, I, I assume it's the same. It's the same, same idea. Of course. Agrodome to, to watch games. Um, so I was one of the younger ones on that team. And when I came back, when I came back for grade 12, it was my team. And a lot of the guys had left and we struggled. Like we made it to provincials, but we, we lost a bit of a heartbreaker to a team that, that never should have beaten us. But it didn't change that we were the, the 93 provincial champs. It was right. big. 
And it was before, I believe it was before a uh, university game would have played after us. So the crowd, it was a good crowd. It was, uh, it was a special moment. I mean, it's one of those things where you feel like you're going to do it again. But I've told every team I've ever coached that's won a championship, whether it's a city championship or district championship, you never know, man. You never know when you're going to get another opportunity to say, we're the best. We're the best right now. We're the best team. And that was super cool. Say goodnight to Kevin. Goodnight, Kevin. And goodnight, pal. Say goodnight, Corbin. Oh, good sleep. Goodnight, Corbin. Goodnight, buddy. <laughs> love you guys. Love you guys. Yeah, love you too. Love Wait you too. Bye. Keeler, I, like there's yeah. some similarities here, man. I, I, uh, it's interesting because like when I was in grade 11, different year, but like beat Maeve and his team in the final and then we had huge expectations going for a three-peat. Yeah. Lost to a team we never should have. Yeah. You know, just kind of interesting, right? And so when the recruiting process comes up for you, is there even a process or is it like my only thing has ever been to be a smooth Husky and that's what I'm doing? Or were there some no. other options for you? Well, I'll tell you what, like, this is back up, back up a minute. Uh, I... Don't tell me what to do, man. <laughs> You're not the boss of me. You're not my boss. In a lot of ways, compared to my peers, I peaked like grade eight and nine. Like I was dunking in games in grade nine. Like I got my first dunk in grade eight. So like I, it was a head and shoulders better than everybody else my age, you know, mm -hmm. certainly in my immediate community. Of course. So I started getting recruiting. I started being recruited. Bev Greenlaw, do you know that name, Bev Greenlaw? He was a Dalhousie Tiger coach. Uh, he recruited me when I was in grade nine. He said, you know, I know it's a ways away, but we, we, we want you to come to Dalhousie. Damn. He had me come into basketball camps for free. Quackenbush found out that I was going to Dal camps for free. So he started having me come to SMU camps for free. Nice. It was kind of like a, your money's no good here. Just, just get in here and let's, let's, let's work on, work with you, work on you, you know? Um, so I, I got through high school and, and I was feeling like, oh, will I go to Dal? But Bev Greenlaw actually got let go. And I think Tim McGarrigal took over for him if there maybe wasn't somebody in between. Okay. Um, and that's when SMU just became like St. Mary's was, my brother went to St. Mary's, my sister went to St. Mary's. And I just thought, oh, I, I'd love to, to play for St. Mary's. Um, but then Acadia came on the scene and Dave Nutbrown, Yes. Shout out Dave Nut Brown. Yeah. Dave Nut Brown is an intense recruiter. That guy recruited me so hard, dude. Okay. Did All you get a way. every day handwritten letters every It wasn't it wasn't like that, but I was like for a guy, yeah, for a guy on the East Coast to do what he did yeah. to, for a guy in the yeah. West when like it was VHS and just word of mouth, I was like, damn, Dave Nut Brown is not afraid. Well, he's good. I mean, recruiting you is obviously smart. Wouldn't that have been relax? We'll ended up at Acadia. Suck it, Axman. I'll tell you what. That gym yeah. floor. Did you take a recruiting trip there? I did not. I did not. You ever play there? You can hit. You can hit your head on the rim on that floor. Bouncy. Oh, people talk about it. Like it goes down in lore. Like Acadia lore is that. I mean, you can do dunks in that gym. You can't do anywhere else. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, no joke. No yeah, joke. Yeah. Awesome name drop, dude. Ball Dave Nut Brown, man. Dave Nutbrown. Unreal. So I was actually on the phone with Dave Nutbrown. Like he, 
he wooed me, man. Like he made me feel like I was the one and I couldn't say no to him. I was actually, but, but yet I, I don't know like how the, the role my parents played, but I know staying at home was a draw. And I don't know if it's financial or what, or just the fact that I'm very close to my mother and my sister at the time, my brother being older was out of the house. But that familiarity, uh, I sort of knew in my heart that I wanted to go to St. Mary's. And I sort of felt the loyalty to them. Brown made me feel wanted like, like nobody else. And I kind of wanted Kinchowski uh, to, to want me to go there. And I did my recruiting trips there and had a good time. And at the end of the day, I think, uh, Kinchowski just had his eye on other players. Mm -hmm. Couldn't promise me anything other than a fair shot in a spot on the team where Nut Brown was, you know, telling me you're going to be our starter. You're our future. You're going to be, you know, like he was doing things that, that other coaches, I was just like, wow, this guy's really, but then I actually find out later on when I compare stories, that's why I asked you, because mm. when I compare stories to, to other dudes, he said the same thing to them. <laughs> 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 he said the same thing to them, you know, and uh, not that I think he was insincere, but he's just, he's doing the best he can, trying to say what he can to get, to get players to his school. Anyway, so I'm on the phone with, Dave Nutbrown, and I'm about to tell him that I'm coming to Acadia. And Ross Quackenbush beeps in on the other line. And he tells me that he's talking to the new starting guard at St. Mary's Huskies, at St. Mary's University, because one of their players, the best players, just flunked out. Just found out this guy flunked out of university. And he tells me right then that I'll be the starting guard. I've never even played guard before. I was a center room, but it didn't matter. I asked Ross to hold on for a second. I went back onto the other line and I told Dave Nut Brown that uh, I chose St. Mary's just like that. My gut, which is the best way to make decisions. You just got to do what your gut tells you to do. Tell us about it, man. I know, I know there was oh, some ups and downs. It was hard, lots of injury. You talked about it earlier on, but just. It started off really well. You know, in fact, my whole first year was pretty good. We didn't win a ton of games, but we were always competitive. It was an experience for me to go from being a center. I mean, I always, I was always uh, a jacker when it came to shooting threes in high school. Like I was a shooter, don't get me wrong, but I never had to take more than three or four dribbles either to get to the hoop or get my shot off. So the idea that all of a sudden I was a guard was a challenge because my handles awful it still is like i never never been known for my handles but so it started off I, I i was playing really well and i did start off and i was starting and um about a month into the season i collided with a guy in practice i was, I was doing curling off a screen and, and he jumped the screen to steal the ball and his head went through my face and i completely shattered my cheekbone so my whole right side of my face caved in and I put my hands on my face and I could feel the like a dent. It was more than a dent. It was, it was uh. insane. In fact, I could feel it and I started to panic and I'm screaming like I'm, I'm, I'm shouting, ah, ah. And I kind of like peer through my fingers and I could see the guys on the baseline. We used to call them the baseline boys. You know, the guys who never get in even in practice. Of course. Shout out Corbs. 
point you gotta do me dirty like that. Holy Just making shit. sure you're listening, bro. The, the drive-by, anyways. <laughs> bang, bang. So the baseline boys are kind of like rolling their eyes going, what's he crying about? Like, what's going on? And Quack came running over and he, and he, he gets me to pull my hands off my face. And uh, I could just see their jaws drop. And at that point in time, I was like, oh my God, like, what? like this, is, this is awful. So they get me to the hospital and they shoot me up with Demerol and schedule me for uh, plastic surgery. But they don't, they can't get me in right away. So they send me home. Quack shows up. <laughs> Quack shows up uh, at my house with me after being in the hospital because he wouldn't have even been able to call. Like, there's no cell phones back then, right? And Or maybe he did. I don't remember. But I just remember him saying, Mrs. Keeler, he's going to be okay, but you're not going to like what you see. Oof. And he took a look at me, kind of freaked out. Meanwhile, they shoot me up with Demerol and I'm feeling good. So I'm calling all my buddies. Yo, get over here. You got to see me. Get over here. You should check me out. And that was a hard one. That was a hard one because uh, at the time, it's not like um, we even had the technology, the face masks, this and that. In fact, they had to order me a mask, but first they had to put a pin in my face. And Jesus, man, it took a while to heal. And I, I was coming off like back to back player of the game awards. Like it was starting to really feel like I was catching my stride. I was feeling confident. I was re really trying to figure out the uh, the speed and size and quickness of, of some of the athletes. Yeah. And I was starting to feel like, you know, with anything, confidence is key. So I was starting to feel pretty confident. Uh, the announcer at the games had just given me a cool new nickname. Uh, cash money keeler. Let's uh, go. Oh, it was, you know what? There's newspaper. I still have the newspaper articles. It's like cash money keeler, cash keeler. So that was pretty cool. So good. Like, kind of like the big man on campus. And then it just all kind of came not crumbling down. That's dramatic, but it was a setback for sure. Yeah. And then when I started, when I started playing again, they gave me a mask for broken noses and protected your nose but what they had to do is insert another pad into the side right and i had no peripheral vision over to my over to my right eye and i also couldn't see down so you got to remember i had Easy no hand play basketball well yeah. i had no handle to begin with so <laughs> now i can't even look at the ball back's already it against was, the wall yeah. it was super frustrating like i remember being back for a couple of games i kind of lost my starting spot i was coming off the bench which is no problem I'm just happy to play I'm really just you know in some ways happy to be on the team but well here's the thing you know i know at some point in time you're going to say any regrets well right off the bat man get a handle healer get a handle no was, man we don't use the word regrets on the hoops journey we don't use it's if you could do it all again that's what it is man there's no such thing as regrets yeah well they're just life lessons dude. so it's not a regret but i, I do wish um, that being said you talk to somebody like jamal crawford he'll say he's never done a ball handling drill in his life So that was a major setback and I came back and I started to sort of round myself into position and I broke my nose and I sort of played through that. Um, and then near the end of the year, I, um, I landed on somebody's foot in practice. We were practicing at the tower and it was uh, practice from seven till nine and it was 930 because Quack was mad and we couldn't get something right. And it was about a week before playoffs and I landed on somebody's foot and my ankle went crack. 
and some some uh, bone chips and things floating around. But I just kept taping it up and sort of grinding it out. But when the season, by the time the season ended, I had developed a stress fracture in my left shin. And that ultimately killed me. Mm-hmm. It killed me because a stress fracture right in the middle of your, right in the middle of my tibia. Couldn't figure out what it was. At first it was diagnosed as shin splints. And I was told just, I couldn't play provincial team. So that mm. sucked. I think it was my second year of junior. U19. was junior. Yeah. yeah. Second year before we played against uh, BC. So I knew Maeve and Dumont and, and all those guys. I knew all those names. Mm-hmm. I think P. Willie played on that team too. Uh, Novell, maybe Gerald, all those guys, right? So anyways, um, the stress fracture shaped the whole rest of my basketball life because it wouldn't heal. I was told to stay for the summer. So here I am my first year with, you know, flashes of success, uh, some big games. You know, I had a couple games in, in, where I had 30 and lots of games where I had six or eight, but, but still I was feeling like I could play in the league. Dalhousie was strong. UNB was strong. St. Fax was strong. Like it was, a, like AU, it was AUAA at the time. It was a strong conference, and, and I felt pretty good about the way things had gone. And to be told that you can't play basketball all summer uh, sucked. One of the hardest parts was is I could walk around without a limp. Like what do what do me and my buddies do? We play ball. Mm-hmm. We go to door courts. We go to open gyms and like you asked about growing up in Halifax, Halifax is, a, is a, a university town. I could tell you King's College, Studley, Tons, Dalhousie, all, these are all gyms, St. Mary's. These are all gyms, not to mention I had the keys to my own rec center. The, like there was a run every night and I was, but I would go because I had nothing else to do. So I go and watch. And what do you do? You start to shoot around. Mm-hmm. And then somebody says, oh, uh, let's maybe just one-on-one. Oh, I'll just do some little one-on-one. Yeah. And you start to slowly get a lather and you're feeling pretty good. And what would happen is I all of a sudden would like go to jump off my leg. And it felt like I was getting bashed in the shin with a hammer. Hey, the first couple jumps would be okay. But then sure enough, that crack would open up and set me back another three weeks, another four weeks. By the time the season started, I was told that I couldn't practice, but maybe I could play games. Meanwhile, Quack had recruited four new guys at my position from Ontario, from Toronto, from, you know, like from wherever yeah. guys who could play. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I, I'm kind of like, that. it's like I've lost my spot. And you start to lose your confidence. And I had this air cast anyway. So halfway through my second year, I just had to hang it up. It was before Christmas. I didn't even make it to Christmas. I just had to hang it up, but I had lost my eligibility because I was told that if I, there was a couple of games where I couldn't play the first half so that they could save me for the second half. And I'd go in cold for the second half and not play particularly well or, you know, miss the shot. I remember going into a game in my second year. It was a preseason tournament and I hadn't played much. And he drew up the, the, the final shot of the game for me. I, it was, we were in the States at the time playing against some D2 schools. And I remember hitting the side of the backboard and I was just like, what's wrong with me? But looking back on it, it was just like, well, yeah, you, I, I still think I should have hit the shot, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there's no rhythm. You're cold. Um, it was a really frustrating experience and, and my confidence really started to plummet. 
Uh, but I kind of dedicated myself to the weight room. I put on about 15 pounds of muscle uh, and I was ready to start my third year. And things were looking pretty good. But again, there was more new guys. I wasn't starting anymore. I was fighting for a starting spot, still optimistic. Coach, you know, in retrospect, I, I, I know he still wanted me to do well, mm-hmm. but he's what he thinks is best for him. No, sorry, I shouldn't say that. He's not doing what's best for him. He's trying to win games. Personal as you can think it is as a player, mm-hmm. no coach is not putting their who they think their best players are on the court, right? Mm-hmm. I just wasn't that. I, I, I wasn't that. I was, I was almost a shell uh, of, of what I was. And it was frustrating and I was angry. And at that point in time, I defined myself as a basketball player. You got to remember, like, I was the guy in grade eight that was being recruited by Dalhousie. Like I was like, I had this weight on me that I thought I had to fulfill expectations and it was my own expectations, but it was my peers and the, the people who I thought were looking on at games like Keeler's not playing. Why, why Keeler, Keeler sits on the bench now. Mm-hmm. And I just, it was, uh, I don't want depression is a strong word, but it was, I, I was, I was frustrated and I was hurt and I was disappointed the way things had turned out. And even in year three, sort of rock bottom hit when uh, I was told that I wouldn't be dressing. I, I wasn't even healthy, mm-hmm. but I wasn't dressing like, but, but what if they need a big shot, you know, or what if they, what if I just get into a game, all it takes is a, is a good shift. Get me in the game. Let me bang it. Let me bang four threes and I'll be back. And it just it was hard to come by, right? I had some, I had some moments, but had nothing that I could uh, gain any momentum from. We talked with so many people on the show, and it's so intriguing about how you know when basketball comes to an end, you said, "Who am I?" This is what I've identified with, but you're still in the middle of your eligibility. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're you're in the heart of it. Yeah, I've used three years of my eligibility. What's to show for it? We were starting to become a very good team. And that was cool. But I was, and this is something I I hate to admit because it's not the person that I am now, but I was resentful of my team's success because they were doing it without me. It's understandable. I hated, started to win games and I didn't feel like I was contributing. And that's a selfish uh, mentality, but I was 19 years old or 20 at the time. And and, (laughs) uh, I'm not proud of that. But I felt like, well, if I want them to need me. So I, I remember being on the bench and, and thinking, I, I want them to lose this game, which is like, that goes against everything I believe in as a human. Right. Um, but I think I needed to hit that so that I could, so that I could grow from it. I just wanted to be a part of things. Like I think all anybody uh, really wants is to be included, to be a part of it. And I was, I was not at the time so i was uh, pretty bitter even if you're healthy and you've got a jersey in a warm-up you still you know it's when you're injured and it's like yeah i really can't impact this you know what i mean like i can't even i can't even come to practice on monday and go after whoever it is and like get in their grill mm-hmm. and i'll accept that role it's like i don't have a role i'm just here to like kind of ride it out but i think this mm-hmm. is cool man this is where you're this is where your journey really transitions, man. And someone we haven't talked about much on the show, and I want you to shine some light on about a legend in the name of Bruce Hens and how he starts to come into your life and basically 
you haven't left the West Coast since, right? So yeah. how do, how does the bruiser yeah. impact you and why does someone who's grown up on the East Coast never really left the East Coast in terms of for any reason other than maybe a family vacation or a <laughs> hoops road trip, yep. decide that they're going to hop on that plane and do the Toronto to Sask or Calgary to Van City, you know, trip, yeah. man. I think, um, you know, Bruce is someone who has impacted a lot of people and you're one. Yeah. So go oh, on, without sir. Without a doubt. I owe him. I owe Bruce Enns everything. Bruce Enns saved my basketball life. You know, he did. He saved my basketball life. And, and, so I graduated St. Mary's after year four. And during year four, I started the year, I trained, trained, trained. I was, I was one of the guys, I was fighting for, for the, the starting spot to begin the year. But, you know, at that point in time, St. we had become really good. And it's like, I say it without shame. There were guys just really, really good, man. They were really good two-way players. Like I could shoot it and score, but these were guys that were like, they were better than me. Who were and, some of those dudes? Were you around for Jonah? Okay, so yeah, Jonah. Name, drop some names. I mean, freak. you were in the emergence of smooth basketball. Yeah, you know so what I mean? my yeah. my year three was Jonah's year one. Now he became one of my best friends. He's one of my best life friends. Totally. And he showed up about one hundred and sixty six six two six three about one hundred and sixty pounds. And looks. <laughs> And uh, I just remember thinking, this guy's not because he's he's a QE guy, right? Yeah. So we oh really before yeah 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 buddies before university we were buddy we be, we we became very good friends very quickly, but I couldn't get the ball past half court. Now I've told you all about my handle, but this guy has a knack for stealing the ball. He has a knack for winning, regardless of what it is, whether it's pool darts. Uh, whatever game we make up when we're hanging out, he's win like he's a winner. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't say much. He just goes about his business. You need a rebound, he's gonna get a rebound. I equate him to Randy Knorr. Mm -hmm. He's a lot like Randy in that he's going to do whatever it takes to get his team the W. Right. And and he did that at St. Mary's. I mean they 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 went on to win the national championship. So thanks to Jonah. Lloyd Thomas uh, was a guy that was there and he was, he played my position, but he was six, seven, six, eight. Gosh, it, there was, there was just so many guys, Jermaine Fletcher. It was just a really strong, really strong team. Kurt Henry came in, uh, Kurt Henry. Clive Henry, Clive Henry played at Dow. Kurt Henry played at St. Mary's a fantastic human being. Jordan McCormick was there at that point in time. He came out to Langara, blew Shout out. Shout out Jordan McCormick. He's maybe the maybe the best pure basketball player I'd, uh, I've ever known, and another person I consider a brother. It's um, an OG right there, brother. Like when you say like these are my brothers, he's my brother. Um, oh, that guy. They, they were just really good, and there was shame in saying, you know what? I'm looking around. I'm going, okay, I could I could use another. I could use year four of eligibility. Or I could, I could maybe step away right now. And it was the hardest decision I had ever made at the time. But I needed to quit. I, I didn't know what quitting, like I had never quit anything in my life. Like I don't quit. But at the time, I just thought, I know that I'm going to graduate with my, with my science degree. And I know that I'm going to have to go somewhere else to do my postgraduate. And I would love to play basketball somewhere else. So I quit. I stepped away. And that was difficult to do 
to remove yourself from, from basketball altogether. It's one thing to be injured and not be able to play, but to actually make the decision that you're going you're gonna to quit and, and quack, God bless him. He tried to talk me out of it, but when he knew that I, was, that I had made up my mind, he said, okay. And he's been good to me ever since. Like, he's never done me wrong. Mm-hmm. At the time, angry at him for not believing in me, he, in me or fulfilling some of the promises that, that he told me. Mm-hmm. You know, all coaches want to paint the future of their, their new recruits mm-hmm. and tell them what things are going to look like, and that's not how it turned out for me there. But I, I do believe that he believed it and that he did his best for me. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, he had basketball games to win, and that's exactly what he did. So, you know, he's a, he's a person that I, for years, have thought, I'm going to reach out to him and let him know how much I appreciate how he treated me, especially after I left, because he, he was to me, he was, you know what? I come home for the summer and he gives me a pass to the tower. He makes sure I'm at all the runs. He makes sure I get the new sneakers that the Huskies have. He makes sure that I'm still working camps. Like I went back there and he still paid me for a camp. Like, anyway, you know mm-hmm. what? I need to write him a letter. I need to write him an email. I need to remind him and, and say, thank you. And then tell him about the podcast. The Bruiser Man, tell us. Yeah. Okay. So Mickey Fox is that a name you know? Yes. Okay. So so Mickey Fox is about sixty five years old right now, right? Maybe maybe sixty five. He was cut by the Detroit Pistons after being a five time All Canadian. Now yes. I'm not sure Mickey Fox. Like I never felt like Mickey Fox particularly liked me. Um, <laughs> in fact, he he used to come out and torch us. Like he would just come yeah. out summer ball. Like he would just torch us. He'd destroy us. He was shooting from half court, like jump shots. It was ridiculous. And he would do this whole thing at, at SMU basketball camps. He'd talk about shooting form, you know, all the campers gather around and he would pull somebody, one of the players out to, to shoot. And uh, so I'm shooting in front of the campers and I start, I start stroking it. And he starts, he puts a hand up in my face. We're not, we're not playing one-on-one. Anyways, Mickey was uh, Ross Quackenbush's best pal. And I didn't know at the time how much he must have thought about me. But he was the one, we were in the locker room playing summer ball. It was afterwards, we're hitting the showers. And he's just asked me, what's next? And I said, I, I'm not sure. I, I might go to Dal. I'm trying to get into occupational therapy. I've been talking to McGarrigal. Uh, McGarrigal says he wants me, like, I'm happy to go over, like, I'm just happy for another chance to play. And my brother at the time is living out west. He moved from Halifax to Vancouver, um, and he's living downtown. And I tell Mickey that, and he goes, well, what about UBC? And I go, oh, man, that'd be great. And he goes, okay. He goes, well, I know the coach there. And I'm like, really? Like, you'd make that call? Well, not only did he make the call, but he must have said some of the nicest things about me that any human has ever said about me because Bruce Enns called me and it was a done deal. When can you be out here? When can you be here? And you've got a spot. And he'd never seen me play. Bruce Enns had never seen me play, but whatever Mickey Fox said to him, Bruce Enns believed it. What? Uh, uh, yeah. And at the time, my parents were out of town visiting my brother out here. And I said, you know, coach, and I was actually having a house party at the time. He called, <laughs> I had a few pops. 
And uh, when, when I picked up the phone and he said, uh, Kevin, hi, Kevin, is this, uh, this is Bruce Ants. And I was like, yeah, right. I was like, no way. Like, who is Are you coming over or what, man? Stop yeah, I'm like, with me. <laughs> I said, no way. And he goes, no, uh, Kevin, this is uh, Bruce Ants. I'm calling to see if you're interested in coming out to play basketball at UBC. And I realized it was him. And I was just like, holy, like this could be real. So my parents were visiting my brother and he said, I, I want to take them to lunch. Can you give me their number? I'm going to take them to lunch tomorrow. And my father was not that interested. Up to this point in time, my father had never seen me play basketball. What? My father was a Navy guy, the oldest of 10 kids. Wow. Was he an athlete growing up? I think he was a pretty good baseball player. But I think sports became this thing he couldn't do because he had he was the oldest of 10 kids. He had responsibilities. When I was involved in, in sports, he, he was just like, well, you should have a job. You should be studying. You should be, you know, you should be, you should be. Um, and his tune has changed. He's very proud of me. Um, but at the time, it, it, he wasn't that interested. He was working. Like, that's what dads did back then. It was what a mm -hmm, mm -hmm. did. Like, he had responsibilities himself. And he spent a lot of time in Ottawa still, even though we were living in Halifax, most of his time was spent in Ottawa. So he took my parents, Bruce Sens took my parents out to lunch and there were some arrangements that were made. And my brother said, I'd love to have you come out and live with us. At the time, his girlfriend, uh, now his wife was pregnant. So I came out, lived in the West End of Vancouver with uh, my brother and his pregnant fiance. And uh, I gotta tell you, it was an eye-opening experience. And he, you know what, Bruce Sands is just a beautiful man. I mean, as you know, my bro, right? I mean, the manager of all people. Yes, yes. I mean, how, yeah. you know, the manager, some people would think would be at the bottom of the pole, but my brother felt just as much a part of it as anyone else, mostly because he had to drive the van so uh, Gerald and Dom and uh, Dumont yeah. could get home and Dykesy could get home from, yeah, from White Ave. But that's right. That's a whole nother that's podcast right. for sure. Oh, yeah, that'd be a good one too. I, I'd tune into Shout that out one the boys. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's what brought me out here. My brother would, my brother agreed to take me in. Love it. My parents agreed that uh, it, was a, it was a good choice for me. My dad at the time said, no, it's, you're making a mistake. You don't want to go out there because it was it was student loans for for housing for for rent and uh, I had a scholarship at the time it wasn't a it was before athletic scholarships but mm -hmm. it was you know found bursaries and different yep. ways um, supplement uh, bank accounts but uh, I decided I needed to do this like I needed to uh, see where this went and I remember sitting in the stands the year before at the Halifax Metro Center watching UBC warm up with their fancy warm-ups at the time they felt fancy, the snap of the rip-offs, tearaways. Yeah. And I had seen John Dumont and Gerald and these faces that I had seen uh, a few summers before at um, the Junior Nationals. Um, and their fancy Air Jordans, they were sponsored by Nike at the time, so they were all rocking like Jordan 11s. And as I'm a sneaker guy, so I was like... Wow, like these guys are, uh, I can only imagine. They've almost felt D1-ish. Did they have the Concords? Yeah. What? It wasn't like, it wasn't uh, man 1 through 12 that had them, but they were, yeah. Even a warm-up that I had never really seen before. Like, you know Bruce Ends, like whatever warm-up drill they were running looked different to me. And I just thought, wow, these guys are different. Um, mm -hmm. 
so I, I came out. I kind of came out blind. I didn't know anybody, but I did have my brother. Turns out Stanley Mitchell, who I played against, he played at UNB, then he played at Dow. Yes. Uh, he was my teammate. And in fact, uh, coach uh, Steve McGarrigal was coaching at UBC. And it was just fluky uh, coincidence. He coached me at St. Mary's as an assistant and uh, on provincial teams. Uh, oh, so, he so there was an air of familiarity. Rest in uh, peace to coach. Yeah, rest in peace. That's crazy, though. The connections, man. That's right. My very first time playing basketball at UBC was at the Student Union Center. I roll in, you know, like I, I show up and we balled. And after practice, at the time, I guess it was a summer trial, this guy came up to me with frosted tips. I'm like, who's this guy? And he's like, hey, man. How'd you like to come party with me and my buddies in Victoria? And I was like, yeah, I want to do that for sure. Like, I'm in. Uh, he's like, Dom, I'm Dom Zimmerman. And I was like, Kevin Keeler, man. And Dom Zimmerman was my very first uh, UBC friend. I'll never forget watching Jason Bristow dunk with his elbow. Like, his head was by the rim. Graham Willis-Croft. Willie. And I just remember looking around the gym because you're trying to suss it out, right? You're trying to figure out, okay, who am I competing for minutes with? And I remember looking at Graham Willis-Croft going, this kid's a stud, this kid's special. Uh, I knew his brother, Paul Willis-Croft, because he spent some time at Dow. Pretty sure you're gonna ask me later on, and I'd still like you to ask me as far as the best players you've played against. Of course. I'll never forget walking into a gym when I was at St. Mary's, and Dow had this new recruit who had just finished playing overseas, which is as crooked as it gets, right? Like, I'm pretty sure you can't go from overseas to the AUAA. However, Paul Willis-Croft was ridiculous because we played the same position, but he was 6'7". Freak. Anyway, so I got to UBC and basketball became fun again. And I took it uh, with, a, I had a different mindset. The pressure was um, no longer unbearable. The weight was no longer uh, as heavy. I felt like nobody in the stands knew me or expected anything. I started having fun again. And um, that was that was a turning point for me. Today's episode is brought to you by our continued sponsors, Good Lad Clothing and Parkside Brewery. I'm currently recording this 2.05, about an hour before this episode drops. And right after I post this episode, I'll be heading down to Good Lad on 3283 Main Street in Vancouver to check out the summer selections because last time I walked away with some Raining Champ t-shirts and they're easily the most comfortable shirts that I own. And with the temps over the weekend hitting close to 40 degrees, what better way to cool down and enjoy some company by heading down to Parkside Brewery located in Brewers Row in Port Moody to taste some of their excellent beers like the Dusk Pale Ale and my favorite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. Mention a hoop's journey at both of these locations and I promise you, you will be well taken care of by Shane Meyer, good lad, and Travis McLean and Sam Payne and Parkside. Go out and support our podcast by supporting them. Now, back to our conversation with Kevin Keeler. And talk about those UBC years, man. I mean, you, you've touched on a lot of things already, but like great teams, great guys, talent, winning games. Like you got the dope warm up on. <laughs> yeah, the, they weren't as dope. All of a sudden you're wearing them. You're like, I don't know, it's kind of tight, kind of snug. 
But no, I was just happy to be there, man. I was happy for the fresh start and thought we had a pretty good squad. Stanley was a stud. Dom was the ultimate floor general. We had guys like Sherland John. Sherland. Sherland could ball, man. He was he was good and a good dude too. Great guy. Bristow. Bristow, unfortunately, we, we often played the same position, but uh we had we just had fun. You know, Bristow and I were we'd we'd make bets before before games with 10 bucks if you take a left-handed jump hook from outside the key in a game or i bet you won't take the first three shots from 25 feet i'm like I, you know what you know i'm gonna you know i will so it just became and not that we didn't take it seriously but it, it felt lighter mm-hmm. my ball world felt a lot lighter and i, I really liked that I wasn't surrounded by people that had watched me grow up and and I didn't feel their expectations. And I was wrong probably for feeling them to begin with, but that's what it felt like to me. But I felt freed a little bit. Sometimes just, and and I was healthy. Mm -hmm. I'd regained my hops. I'd regained my hops. I I felt like an athlete. Um, I think I had resigned myself to be at St. Mary's during my last couple of years that I would become this three-point specialist. You know, the guy that just spotted up. Yes. UBC, I felt more, I had the ball in my hands. I could make decisions. I could make plays. Uh, and I had, I had a really fun first year. Um, it wasn't without some some challenges, but uh, I was eager to come back and, and have my fifth year. And that's where things got really good. Things got really good because in my first year at UBC, you're well aware, St. Mary's won the national championship. Right. All my buddies were national champions. I went home for the summer and celebrated with them. And I, I was at a point in my life where I was genuinely happy mm-hmm. for them and, and celebrating with them. Right. And I also knew that I was never going to be a five-year guy at St. Mary's. They didn't have the post-grad classes I needed. Uh, my parents weren't down with me spending any more time in school than I needed to. I was there to get the job done. If I could play basketball along the way, then that was good for me, but that certainly wasn't their um, expectation. So I knew in my heart that had I played four years at St. Mary's, that was it. Once I had my degree, I was gone. Interesting. Some people said, oh, you transferred, but I never transferred, I graduated. Hmm. There's a big difference. I didn't transfer because I was unhappy. I stopped playing because I was on, you know, there's parts that I was unhappy about, but I, I didn't transfer. Mm-hmm. So when they won the national championship and I was still in the lead, I was in the CIU at the time playing for UBC. Um, I watched them. Was it Alberta they beat? Was it Alberta? It might have been. Uh, I was rooting for mm-hmm. them at that point in time. I, well, there was no bitterness. They're, they're my buddies. Like, they're my brothers. Um, so I was kind of over whatever bitterness that I felt at the time. Uh, and, I, and I was happy for them. But going into my second year at UBC, something special happened to me. I was given an opportunity. It actually it still to this day gives me shivers. If, if, I need a, if I need a lift, I'll go back to the moment where we played uh, against the national champions in a national tournament. It was a preseason tournament. But we were playing against uh, the national champions in the New Brunswick basketball tournament. So we made the, we made the uh, flight to New Brunswick, Fredericton. My dad came out to watch me play for the first time. My parents both drove out. Uh, my buddies, you know, my high school buddies all came out to, to Fredericton. If everything went perfectly, we would play 
St. Mary's in the finals. So game one, I look up in the stands. Aaron, I am not kidding. My dad was reading the newspaper. <laughs> like, he's never seen me play basketball before. And he's in the stands as the game is on. And he's reading the newspaper. <laughs> he could care less. Right. He could care less. And in some ways, it's kind of refreshing because these this day and age, you got dads breathing down their kids' necks, just adding on, right? He, he didn't care. Yeah. Uh, but he kind of keeps an eye on things. And we beat Memorial, I think. And I had a pretty good game. I played pretty well. I was a big part of the team, big part of the offense. Uh, game number two, uh, I look up in the stands and my dad's not reading. He put the paper down. And I was like, oh, cool. Dad's not reading the paper. Like, let's uh, let's go. Uh, so we beat uh, New Brunswick, which was home, the hometown. And I actually gave my dad an opportunity to look around and go, oh, like, there's TV crews here. Or these fans think this is a pretty big deal. So you kind of see him sort of getting into it a little bit. Well, we beat them. And meanwhile, I'm going back to the hotel. We're staying on the same same hotel as, like, my buddies from St. Mary's, my Jonah and all the guys. And we're talking and quack is again he's good to me like he's just like he's interested in how things went he's like i feel like he's rooting for me well it turns out we're going to the finals of this preseason tournament against the national champion saint mary's huskies and bruce ends before the game says okay guys we might not have a chance here so we can do this this and this and either get blown out or, because St. Mary's was, they had all, like, pretty much their returning squad, pretty much, give or take, uh, their returning squad. Like, they were the odds-on favorites. I think they were number one in the country at the time. Wow. Bruce concocts this plan, and it could either go very right or it could go very wrong. And uh, I don't know, man. I've got the game on tape, but we came out, and it was like the basketball gods were shining on me. Mm -hmm. and my dad, the, there was no newspaper in sight. He was yelling and screaming. Um, he was as into it. My mom was there. My buddies were there. Jordan McCormick was there. And, uh, I just, I, I just, shots were falling. Shots were falling. Jonah didn't play particularly well. St. Mary's was likely a better team than us. But on that day, it was a close game. Uh, but we won. We beat St. Mary's. So those four years at St. Mary's that tormented me where I didn't think I didn't believe, I didn't, I, I doubted myself. People sort of wondered what happened to Kevin Keeler. He was supposed to be this or this. Uh, he didn't amount to what we all thought or expected of him, expectations. We, we beat St. Mary's and I was given tournament MVP. And there's, I've still got a photo of myself getting a tournament MVP. I got 25 or 27 points in the game uh, with Ross Quackenbush in the background. Uh, with his elbows on his knees, sort of hunched over, just sort of wondering what the hell happened. Mm -hmm. And that, for me, that was my that was my national championship. Yeah, yeah. So when you ask about how things went at UBC, like the, it just could have ended right there. I mean, we we went on to to have a pretty good season, but for me, that was redemption. And for the longest time, I felt like I proved to people mm -hmm. that I was good enough that I could be a key player at that level, but I realize it's going to sound a bit corny, but I realize what actually happened is I proved to myself that I was good enough to play at that level. And I look Ross Quackenbush in the eye. I was going to cut you off and just say, 
who are you trying to prove it to? Just yourself, man. Your own shadow. Exactly. Your own shadow, well, man. That's what it's about. I had the. Uh, I, I do believe that I had a, a bad habit of worrying too much about what people thought. You know, like the pressure that I put on myself was. I, I felt sometimes to impress people or to um, shine in front of people, so their opinion of me would be maintained or increased. You know, mm-hmm. like you want to. Uh, show people that you can play you want to impress people you want to but at the at the end of the day it was that i felt like it wasn't about being able to look at ross it was about being able to look at myself and go you know what you were you were good enough today mm-hmm. and so the season rolled on and uh, i thought we had a pretty good chance at, at making it to the final eight and lo and behold a uh, week before playoffs like year one I landed on somebody's foot in practice and broke my ankle. That was it. Another injury. Yeah. I mean, I start. I ended my basketball career kind of like I had started mm-hmm. it with a broken with a broken ankle. You know, I went broken face, broken ankle, <laughs> uh, stress fracture. You're like the CIS Bill Walton man. Yeah, my very first basket as a UBC Thunderbird. I went down the lane, uh, rose probably should have dunked it, decided to go with the finger roll, got my legs taken out from underneath me, fell on my head, my knee came back, came down and bashed my my nose, broke my nose, excuse me, broke my nose, broke three ribs and had seven stitches in the back of my head. That's how I started my UBC career. It's on my Instagram, actually. You should check it out if you haven't. Is seen it? it? It's a good clip. It's on tape Gross. and everybody on the bench jumps and, and grabs their head. And I remember moving my legs to let people know that I wasn't paralyzed. Well, I was at Dolphin when you like, I've never seen an elbow do what an elbow is supposed to do. And like, that was one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in my life. Thank God, Navi, Navi yeah. was there as a firefighter, yeah. but like you're sitting next to me and I was like, I yeah. can't even look at you right now, Healer. Like you're out, you're- Butler's wife, man, she was elbow. my angel. It was Eric but- Butler's <laughs> wife. You, you, oh, you turned gross. a color, like a white boy is not supposed to turn a color. And I was yeah. like, I looked no. at that thing. I was like, oh my God, what is that? I can't straighten my Still? arm. I can't straighten my arm yeah. this day. Yeah. Um, so it's funny, like uh, talking to my wife about this a little bit. Quicker yeah. release. Yeah, yeah. A shot yeah. What's the movie? Um, I told my wife that. What's uh, the, the movie? Uh, the guy who's the pitcher for the Cubs. Angel, no, no, he, like he breaks his arm as a kid and he's like a starter for the Cubs and all he has to do is go like, whoosh, and he throws yeah. like mad <laughs> heat. It rings yeah. a bell. Yeah. <laughs> the movie in question is The Rookie of the Year, 1993, Chicago Cubs guy. Back to the show. Okay, so but all those times, those memories and stuff, I think one of the best parts about your your ending is like the connections you made, the people you connected with, and you stay like you meet your future partner you start to hoop with a bunch of just super fun dudes in men's league and just yeah. have a great time and talk about the freak show and all those championships and just the fun time and like why you never left um immediately it's kind of what you want for your kids right like use what you want uh for your own children it's immediately a part of a brotherhood like you show up on campus and you you've got this family and uh, I made connections with with dudes that at UBC that I'll 
Dykstra, Reimer. Uh, Reimer wasn't at UBC. He was actually doing his graduate there mm. at the time. Bristow, Zimmerman, and then through Bristow, that's how I got onto the freak show. And it is, it's the whole purpose for sport as far as I'm concerned. So few people make it to play pro. So few people even make it to be really high esteemed athletes. It is about the people that you surround yourself with and the, the lessons that you learn about life. And moving out here, I became a teacher. First of all, I became a teacher. Decided occupational therapy was, wasn't going to be the, the career choice for me. Uh, so I did my teaching and then I got offered a job right away. That first and foremost. That yeah, makes a difference. Here. Yeah. Even even when I was offered the job and I wasn't sure I'd be staying here, you know what I did when I when I couldn't make a decision? I shot hoops. I went to the went to the court hmm. in the West End and I shot hoops. And I said, I'm gonna take ten shots. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick this. Uh, I'm gonna pick this spot right here at the three point line, and I'm gonna take ten shots. And uh, if I make six, I'm gonna take the job. So at the time, I'm five for nine, shooting five for nine. That's not a good percentage, but whatever. Uh, at the, that's where I was, and uh, I missed the shot. And I was like, "Oh, all right." So I'm walking home, and it didn't feel right. And I knew that I needed to take the job, so I took the job, and started my coaching career. It's not not a career, but I started yeah. coaching and and started working with young athletes. And I realized that more and more, and this was before having my own kids and coaching them, but you realize more and more that it's about the, the team and the lessons of hard work and determination and brotherhood that ultimately defines what basketball means to a person. I would go so far as to say that even the most esteemed basketball careers are founded on that concept, that it is about the, the mm-hmm. brotherhood. It's about the relationships and the lessons that you learn along the way. So I stayed and I built a life for myself and I met my wife and uh, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I look at my children. I look at my children and I think, thank you, Bruce Enns. <laughs> thank you, Mickey Fox. Thank you for, for, for bringing me out here. And thank you for the journey because I'm really happy. I'm really happy where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, with who I surround myself with, especially when it comes to you and Dom and the freak show. Basketball took on a whole other level of fun mm-hmm. when we started playing the freak show. Like it just, it was just a different experience altogether. Mm-hmm. Unconditional love and acceptance. And you know, you have 10 other guys in your corner more. Uh, relationships you'll have forever. Mm-hmm. You need something, you know. You you know you have a problem. You know who to talk to. You you got to bounce some ideas off of somebody. You know you've got dudes at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. You can call and and chat with and learn from. Totally. You know that's what it's about, and that's I try to preach to the kids that coach as well. I've been coaching twenty one years now. Um, shouldn't say 21 because this year I didn't coach, but, uh, still counts. 20 years. Still, we all, we still got to chalk this one up. We would have. Yeah. 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 So 21 years. And, and ultimately I want my dudes that I coach to play high school ball because I want them to experience that 
but I want them to play men's league because I want them to have that in their life. Yeah. It's not just good for you. It's exercise, but it's unconditional love if you if you do it right and a brotherhood that lasts. Isn't it funny too how when we're caught up in it and we're competing at high levels, you know, we kind of judge and we question and there's bitterness and we're competitive and we're, you know, mm. and then you get settled in your own life and then you realize all you had to do was just be a good teammate and you'd get so much love. Yeah. Like it wouldn't matter if you were a starter or the 12th man, it doesn't matter. Like hoops is such a beautiful game because what it offers is like you've talked about that brotherhood that can last for so long. And it's just like, if, if we were just more aware when we were younger, yeah. I mean, it's good because when you're full of piss and vinegar, you're pushing for things, you want to win, you want to compete, yes. but at what cost, right? Like, I don't want to be 40 and be like, wow, nobody likes me because I'm an asshole. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I'll be 40 and know that there were times where maybe I was an asshole on the court, but we still, after the after practice was over, we could go for Subway or go for a pint and, and be good. You know what I mean? And and that's the extension is like, what's your legacy? When people think about legacy, it's like there's halls of fame. There's people that have awards. But, dude, what you, the freak show, your boys, your friends, like what you have there, you can't replace that, man. Like every broken arm limb you've ever had, you would, you, you would take all that and put it into a pile just for what you could have right now. I'm just... I'm throwing words in your mouth, but am I wrong? No, a hundred percent. And it's, it comes down to perspective. It's, it's the way you look at the situation, but it, you, sometimes it's just experience and age that will give you that perspective. Totally. That's why those kids need you, man. Nobody care. Nobody actually cares how good. You yes. Are. At this point in time, my kids don't care. My kids, kids their last, the kids at my school don't care. They like, nobody cares. No. At the time, so it's just this important thing in your world is to be the best you can or even just to be the best. Yeah. But at the end of the day, nobody cares what you did on a basketball court. It's more important what you did in the locker room. Yeah. It's more important what you did behind closed doors in practice. And that's why, you know, going back to my days at St. Mary's, I should have been the best cheerleader. And, and maybe to the people in the crowd I was, hmm. but in my heart I wasn't. Right. But I do do it differently mm -hmm. i would do i would do it completely differently but that only comes with perspective you know who i text almost every week do you know that i'm actually blown away at the number of people you probably text every week <laughs> in fact i i i bounced somebody the other day and they were like so i was shooting the shit with mitch with with aaron mitchell and i was like damn aaron mitchell. like how many people you reach out to just to let them know like hey man i'm thinking about you wondering how you're doing i hope you're doing well Anyway, continue. Relax. Who is it? I don't like that, but it's intentional. No, I don't mean that. It, I don't mean it to 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 diminish it. The more people doesn't diminish it because I know that you you mean it with all your. It just makes me uncomfortable that you bring that up in public, but that's okay. <laughs> it's intentional, like Todd McCullough, like Andrew Mavis gets me in touch, and like honestly, dude, and it's like completely genuine. I could give two craps about yeah. this guy playing, like. He's hilarious. He cracks me up. Is it? He's awesome, man. What a great podcast that was. His too. replies are I really so enjoyed funny. That I listened to that one the other yeah, day. Yeah, and it's just like, it's interesting, man. You you've you've touched on so many good points tonight, and it's great. It's it's really good. There's like so many things to take away about 
perseverance, continuing to work, treating people well, learning, growing. And then in the end, it don't matter, man. Like, yes, it's all great. There's some things on the wall. There's some plaques. Really but doesn't. dude, like, do you wake up every morning and look at those? No, you have two, two kids that you're trying to get yeah. out of bed, get to school and kiss yeah. your wife, get to work. And then do I have time to sketch for a little bit? And that's what life's about, man. Like in the end, what yeah. else can we want? You know? No, I'll, I'll, I'll say this too, that learning to like putting your all into something and learning that you can become pretty good at it. You start to realize that you can apply that to other realms of life. Boom. Like drawing or like music, like you have this belief that out of sheer determination and repetition, you can build skills. Mm -hmm. And that is something that not everybody has the confidence uh, that they can do. Uh, even for me, like, obviously, I like to draw, but uh, I learned to play guitar late in life. I was living with Scalesy yes. at the time, doing jam and Dykstra, jamming every night. And uh, I, I'm looking around going, I don't play an instrument, but I'm looking at these Muppets thinking, <laughs> if these guys should be able to, I should be able to figure this out. And I'll tell you what, it's the hardest thing I've ever learned to do. And I'm not a good, I'm not good. But I learned enough that I could bang out a tune. Mm -hmm. And it was perseverance and, and confidence that I can just grind this out big fundamental style. If I just move my fingers in this pattern enough times, that pattern gets smoother. And I'm never music is never just going to come out of me. That's just not who it's just it's not my mm -hmm. thing. But you learn that you can learn. And that's a huge thing because ultimately, or hopefully, you, you never stop learning. Growth mindset, right? Put in positions, new jobs, new this, whatever, where you have to acquire new skills. So team sports does that, man. So it's not just about the brotherhood. It's about the, I, the, the concept that you can train your body to do new things. Church. Let's tie that in. Let's wrap this up, man. You talked about music, learning instruments, all those things. Dead or alive. Okay, we already we have already been there with the hip hop thing, and you can throw that in if. Yeah. But what's a couple concerts if you had the chance to go? And I'd go to the hip. Man. Yeah. Knowing what I know now about Gord Downey and the human being he was and what that what that group meant for Canada, even like all this stuff with uh, with Cam Loops and the oh yeah. man, the heartbreak uh, that comes with the residential school uh, systems. Uh, the fact that Gord Downey was on that, not that lots of other people yep. weren't. He uh, was an incredible person mm -hmm. and I would I would do hip again in a second because of who he was, but also their music resonates. It brings me back to high school. It brings me back to university. Um, I would, without question, number one, the tragically. And it's obvious, and I'm not trying to pump your tires, but one of your most epic pieces is that one with Gord and the lyrics behind and go to Keeler Art yeah. Instagram. It's pretty phenomenal. So that's dope. And I uh, appreciate that. That was for my brother who, for the 
No way. Yeah. Well, the original drawing was just from my brother's cool. birthday. Um, he's a huge. It always fan. comes from somewhere, right? And whatever he thinks is cool, I think is cool because, <laughs> as I'm concerned, he's he's the man. Love it, man. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, the Kamloops thing and everything. I don't think we can avoid that, right? Like we've got a lot of work to do, and um, we need to own some things and and just be better. So, yeah. Thanks for reflecting yeah. on that. Catch up on macaroni. No, it's stupid. I don't. No, no, <laughs> do that. Nobody should do that. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, you, me either. Yeah, I, I don't get it. No. I don't get it. Hot sauce every time. It's your world. Sure. Yeah, hot sauce. I'll put hot sauce in everything. So I guess I'm a bit of a hypocrite. No, you're not. Hot sauce hits different though. Ketchup is basically sugar. Yeah. I, right? Like no. that's a that's a hard no. Yeah. A quote or a book you've read recently or a book that you stuck with you for a long time. You know, yeah. you're a deep guy, man. There's layers to you. So, you know, when I need a new book, on? when I need a new book, I'd like to talk to Andrew Mavis. He, he got me onto the book Sapiens. That sort of changed the way I saw the world. Really? Good book. And I couldn't stop talking about it. I asked my wife and that's not her. My wife's a reader. Like she's like, yeah, you just annoyed well, her Number so one, much. she's the smartest person I know, but she has no interest in, in uh, that sort of scientific sort of genre of, of book. I really like okay. that. As far as uh, quotes go, you, can, you can't go wrong with John Wooden. John Wooden, the idea that I like this quote, and I, and I think of it sometimes, uh, things turn out best for people who make the best of the way things turn out. It's a good. I mean, he's he's a genius. What does that What does that say to you? Well, it's just like it's about perspective. It's about making the most of opportunities. It's about um, sometimes, like in life, there's no good or bad. That's just a judgment. It's it's what you make of it, right? As a teacher, too, like you know, we we, we deal with kids who sometimes say, you know, I'm and and I'm not trying to discredit anything they've been through, but like I'm depressed or I'm dealing with this, and it's just like there's so many ups and downs in life, and it's like yeah how are you going to let that dominate you yeah. and shape you or are you going to be able to figure it out right yeah, and yeah and reflection and just kind of figuring it out you know that's a good one John i read Wooden's a quote the guy. other day i actually wrote it on my board at school it said uh lazy people do as little as possible and think they should be winning winners do as much as they possibly can and worry it's not enough Oof. that's a good one man that is good yeah that like is that good. Too. I, you know, it's funny, like the whole thing with quotes and uh, people who love quotes don't have anything good to say for themselves. But I, I don't, I like, I don't either. Quote, they resonate, right? The ones that resonate, if it doesn't resonate, it's, it sounds corny. But if it resonates with you, it, it becomes a mantra. Mantra. 100%. Who's been the most important person or people in your life? Uh, my mother is first and foremost this this rock this nurturing it's just the sacrifice that that she has given for her family like we have uh benefited tremendously from from her uh my brother was one of the most influential person people in in my life influential as far as role models go he's never been a better role model he's intelligent hardworking. he's cool he's funny he's he's um logical He's just awesome. He's he's the best. Um, my wife is a phenomenal human being. She's the smartest mm -hmm. I've ever met. She um, is the person that allows me to do all the things I love to do because she takes care of. Like I can't coach if I don't. If if she's not in my life, I can't coach my kids because I know that 
Well, first of all, she's signing them up for stuff to keep them busy. She's uh, <laughs> taking care of, of everything. Like she is the the rock of our family. Like she's, she's everything. She's the best. My mother, my brother, uh, my wife, my sister is a phenomenal human being. Those are the, the four people. My, my dad is, my, I told you he doesn't, um, he had no interest in my athletic career, but he had other priorities. And right now we're, we're good friends and I get it. It's funny how you see your parents differently when you become a parent or when you become an adult. 100%. You see as humans uh, and he's a really good human, so. Nice. Uh, man, you know what? I'm really lucky to have people, not to mention, I could go on and on. I could go on and on. Yep. But at the end of the day, it's got to be my it's got to be my wife. Love it. Wife lets you go run away for a little bit. You, you stop at the corner store on your way home. I'm looking forward to this answer. Yeah. What are the bags of chips? I know you know, I know you don't just have one. No, we're chip we're yeah. family man. Um chips are important. Chips are important. <laughs> we, we don't play games either. So <laughs> <laughs> so I we're trying to cut down on the uh, shoppers drug mart bills because I'll hit shoppers it'd be like 30 bucks it's like dairy milk bars and chips and you gotta kill that like that's not it's not good habits Lay's salt and vinegar uh, wow stacks hold on stacks Lay's stacks salt and vinegar are very underrated chip what are stacks those I'm buying stacks every time I'll buy the, the Lay's, like the bags. They're fine. Lay's Stacks. Oh, I'm Googling stacks. right now. Oh, Lay's Stacks. Oh, S-T-A-X. Okay. Yeah. Oh, They're better yeah. than Pringles. Okay. They like Pringles. Yeah. Yes, yes. They're better wow. than Pringles, but it's not even close. It's actually not even close. Like when it's stocking stuffers, I'm getting my wife whoa. Lay's Stacks. Whoa. Valentine's whoa. Day, whoa, Lay's Stacks. Whoa, whoa. Birthdays, Lay's Stacks. Easter oh, Stacks. Rewind okay. it, rewind it, rewind it, rewind it. Time out. Rewind the tape. Stacks better than Pringles, hey? Oh, sorry. You stand firm with they that. They crunch different. They crunch different. It's a different, it's a different experience. Never had. So, yeah. And I'm not. Okay. I just. Okay. So for a while there, for, for, we're combos. I'm into the combos. Um, for a while there, it was popcorn. Because it's just regular microwave popcorn, butter, and then some of your chips on top. It's a good snack. Like crumbled? No, no. Or just can, together, like you know, grab a couple of chips with. Like, is yeah. it in, mixed in with the popcorn there? Oh, no, yeah. Corbs is in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you mix go. them up. But if you want to talk what? crumbled, my sister's got a recipe. It's a, it's a killer recipe. Uh, take a bag of milk chocolate chips and melt them. Take a bag of potato chips, plain, and bash them. Just bash them into the tiniest pieces possible. Dump the chips into the melted chocolate chips and then make little cookies out of them. Wait for them to harden. Your life's going to change. It's really good, man. Wow. Really good. Right now we're catching you got ketchup we have chips. To try, ketchup we have to try chips. This? I think we have to try this. Yeah, you got to try that. That's a good, it's a good recipe, man. Ketchup chips. And recently I like to mix my cheesies with the ketchup chips. Ooh, that's around cheesies? Puffs. So it could be Cheetos, it could be Cheetos, but not the hard kind. But oh, really? Okay. Puffs yeah, I'm just interested. With, okay. Puffs with ketchup chips is a good complimentary combo. And if you want to like do that. fancy some barbecue corn chips in with that as a third. See, here's your, the thing, like we have these things you can buy. like the, Your own mix. Nah, I'm not down with the party mix, man. I don't want that. Yeah, it's your own, but I you're your own. I don't want that. Ketchup chips are my go-to. 
I've got my mother-in-law in town for two weeks. Uh, we're on night three and uh, on night two, everything settled down. I went to the cupboard, grabbed the Doritos ketchup chips. And she's like, what do you have there? I was like, Ooh. Doritos ketchup chips. And she's like, I don't like ketchup chips. And I was like, thank freaking God. These are, <laughs> yes. these are all mine. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I was like, I will be buying ketchup chips for the chips for the next 12 days. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love it. Tell us about some of the greatest players you've seen, you've played against okay. some of your greatest teammates. You Let us know, man. Yeah, Jonah Tausig, uh, right off the bat. I played against Fred Perry growing up. Fred He's Perry. He's a great approacher, yep. good friend of mine. We played high school together. You did? Yeah, we did. I was grade 12, he was grade 10. Let's go. But then he transferred back to QE, played with Jonah, then went on to a brilliant recording career. Just a really good human, man. He's he's just a good human. Yeah, dope. Damon Cole was the first player I was like, oh, this guy's on a different level. He ended up playing point guard at St. FX in St. Mary's. He was really, really good. Andrew Mavis is probably the best basketball player I've ever like stood next to, uh, other than Nash, I guess. <laughs> Uh, I hung out with Vernon Maxwell one night. No way. Yeah, yeah I didn't play against him, but we, we partied a little bit because Halifax, uh, you know, those like Toronto used to come to town and play the Sixers. Yes. Uh, so they'd be out on the town. Mad Max. But I would have to say that w walking onto a court, it, it's got to be P. Willie, man. Paul Willis Croft was a different. It was a different beast. I'd never seen a player with that skill set at that size. Um, and thank God Tim McGarrigal made him a five-man because he would have destroyed uh, us in the entire league as a three-man. You put him on the wing and he's, he's unstoppable. Put him in the post and he's you, uh, you throw another six-seven guy at him and, and you can sort of kind of handle it. But he was he was just a basketball phenom. I think Brian Scales was, was uh, I never I was hurt when he was playing at UB, UNB. UNB, yeah. But he took the league by storm. He caused, he caused a lot of scenes. You don't say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of, of somebody else. Randy Knorr. Uh, I, I was going to mention this earlier. I once, uh, in a single men's league calendar year, won six championships. Thanks to uh, being on Randy's team for, <laughs> for many of them. <laughs> <laughs> Six men's league championships, uh, a couple with the freak show, Carisdale. I mean, I was a freak show, freak. Uh, I was a, a men's league uh, addict. I was a men's. League. I was going, for, yeah, I was going from league to league. Like it, it was, it was that. God, you know, I've been blessed to play with a lot of really, really good players. John Dumont was crazy. Like the way he played, John Dumont's the coolest basketball player I've ever been around. John Dumont's, and... John Dumont's like if John Dumont is in twenty twenty, he like. He's yep. got a shot at the league. The way he played. And Willis Croft too, Often man. hard. Yeah. He's so smooth. Like that kind of point forward sort of like different yeah. breed, man. I'm going to go as hard as I can to the rim and you're either going to foul me or I'm going to get a lap. Yeah. And trying to guard him was, a, was stupid. I couldn't do it. There's no way. He was so much better than me. He was so much. John Dumont was, he was the goal for what I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. As it should have been. That was, that was like an adult. Yeah, <laughs> right? As it should have been. I'll tell you this. Uh, you may, you probably don't know this. Uh, I took a year out when I was at Lang and played men's league at the old Grizzly Center. And Willie was on the team. It was like, we were stacked, man. Like, we had Mike Clark, Navi, uh, Doug Eberhardt. Like, we were just, it was 
it was ridiculous. I played in that league. Yeah, it was yeah. that league was crazy too. Like every team. Yeah, was yeah, yeah. So we good, were like right? me. We had me, like me, Dykstra, Dom, yeah. uh, Ryan, Mike Hartley, oh, Sean Hartley. Sean Hartley. Shout out Sean Hartley. Yeah. And shout out Sean Hartley. If Willie showed because he just had work and things, yep. it was it was over. Mm. Like it was freaking over. Like yeah, he, it was. And he would show. No matter the state of mind dude, he was this in, guy he was would just show there to drop buckets. He would show up late. Yep. Put his shoes on. Yep sub himself in and it was 38 and 12 and i'm like this guy's not normal like he played a san fran he played a san fran before anyone was going d1 man like it was not common like that guy's he's different there's no question yeah absolutely no question about that i like that shout out and just a dope dope guy too super you know what he's my he like i say that uh dom dom zimmerman was my first west coast friend only because P. Willie was uh, my friend on the East Coast when he was at yes. Dallas. We, we hit, uh, so he was the first person I connected with when I was living on. I came out to to, to Vancouver and I was like, oh, I was going to get in touch with uh, P. Willie. Love it. It was great to see him a couple. Uh, actually, last summer, right at, uh, at yeah. JD's. Jones, uh, uh, yeah, that's right. Memorial thing. That was dope, man. Okay, man. Great time. Last question for you. And you already okay. said regret. It's not a regret. It's just if you could do no. it all again, you would. You think about all you've been able to accomplish through basketball. You're shipping off art to people you never would have expected to. Tell us, man, if you could do it all again, you would what? Uh, I would care less what people thought. Yes. I would. I would for myself than I would have for other people and their expectations. I wouldn't have put the pressure on myself like I did. I played with anxiety. You know that I threw up before every game from grade 10 through UBC? And sometimes even at halftime. Not just in horse's backyard after <laughs> Dolphin. <laughs> that was your fault. The Crown Royal got me good that time. And Jason Bahar too. Yes. Dude, chew your food. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, man. I was riddled with anxiety. Wow. If I was playing well, it was uh, how can I keep playing well? Wow. I was playing poorly. It was how can I turn this around? I'll tell you what. I never felt nervous while I was playing. I've been in situations where I've had to make foul shots uh, to ice game or whatever and, and I never felt nervous. I felt nervous pre-game talks when I was like sitting still. I felt nervous at halftime. I felt nervous when, when things stopped. Right. And then I got to move again. I, I, I was able to let it go. But if I could do it again, uh, I, again, I, I'm with you on that. I don't, I don't have regrets per se. Uh, because ultimately I'm happy where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And if you go and change things, you jeopardize you jeopardize how things turn out. You know, that whole thing, everything happens for a reason. I would play uh, I would play for myself and not worry about other people. I give my kids um, advice when they're feeling nervous. I'm like, look, you can't control most things. You can only control how hard you go. Mm-hmm. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to make turnovers. You're going to dribble it off your foot. But you can control how hard you play. Mm-hmm. I would have focused on what I could control. Love it. This has not been the purpose of the show because you're just a dope guy. We have a great connection and I love you so much. I love you too, man. But for people out there that don't know, check out Keeler Art on Instagram. I mean, the talent is phenomenal. If you like hoops and drawing, there's some really really cool stuff man and uh we're really thankful you're able to sit down another freak show member awesome human being um on your way school year wrapping up last reflections tell us what's on your mind before we let you go brother 
Oh, man. You know, what's on my mind right now is I'm feeling thankful for you and, and what you're doing for the basketball community. Uh, looking forward to a summer. Looking forward to, to things opening up again so I can spend it with the people I love, not just my family, but my friends. Um, also going to hold on to some of the things that COVID brought. Um, and try to do a little bit less, focus on things that are truly important. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like that. Yeah, man. I'm just going to continue to try and be as thankful as I can and, and thank my lucky stars for for where I'm at and who I'm with. Love that, dude. Where I'm at and who I'm with. And hopefully, it'll be me, you, Zim, Maeve, Gerald Cole, the pack WhatsApp chat. Oh, yeah. Maybe Corpse can drive us in his parents' yeah, minivan man. down at Parkside Brewery. <laughs> wow! <laughs> down at Parkside Brewery. Shout out Sam, yes. Travis, how many we get in pro bono, but uh, we love you, man. We're thankful we were able to sit down with you. Amazing dude. So talented. A triple OG, no doubt, man. Triple OG. Thank you, brother. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me on, man. You got it. Episode 61 of A Hoops Journey. I had a Journey. good time. Thank you. Episode 61. Like, subscribe, comment, share. Please let us know what you're thinking, who we can get on, and how are things going. And once again, we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.